My new book, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, is out. You can get it at capitalistbook.com. Here's what Nicholas said on March 6th on Amazon. Incredibly incisive, useful, and sensible. The author is not greedy and is, in fact, extremely generous and does not hold back on the knowledge he imparts. I've barely made it halfway to the book, and I'm already gushing over the book because it's an absolute gem. Nathan gets to the point quick, shows proof, and best of all, shows you not just what to do, but how to do it in explicit detail. To say the book is actionable is an understatement. Now, you guys that listen to the podcast know I'm detail-oriented, so that review might not surprise you, but I hope you grab the book. It's now a Wall Street Journal instant national bestseller. Grab it at capitalistbook.com. Audible version is available too. Founded Olark as a side project back in 2007. 2009 got more serious about it. Today, they're well north of 12,000 paying customers. He shared average price point, call it just around 100 bucks per month. Obviously, if you multiply those, it comes up to about $1.2 million per month. Churn is kind of like an industry range, call it 3% logo churn per month range. Really now starting to experiment with how to drive expansion revenue uh, around healthy pricing axes that are friendly to small business owners. That's really the key. And he's able to do that because he's bootstrapped. So they drive the company however they want to drive. It. Growth is less than 50% year over year, but again, totally bootstrap team of 35 based all over the country in remote locations. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Ben Congleton. He is the CEO and co-founder of Olark Live Chat. It's a bootstrap, profitable, and proud, helping over 12,000 businesses grow by communicating with the right customer at the right time. He's passionate about building strong work cultures where teams bring their whole selves to work. Ben, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. All right. Oh, look, first off, I love that you're bootstrapped and I love that you are competing with giants who are raising probably way too much money for their own good. So this is going to be a good story for people that have not heard of the company. Tell us what the company does. Basically, we were the first company that made it really easy to add live chat to your website. So like when you're shopping online uh, as a visitor, you can get you can chat with an operator from the business. But more importantly, as a business, you can get more value from the traffic that's currently on your website. So if you're an e-commerce store, you can capture more leads, convert them into sales. If you're a B2B business, we have customers that have generated you know, upwards of $5 million a year from leads coming off of chat. So uh, we basically help businesses grow. That's great. And uh, I'm sure you have plenty of cohorts and you do all kinds of analysis. But on average, what does one of these customers pay you per month? On average, a customer of ours yeah. pays us like... You know, you know, in the range of we'll say under a hundred bucks. Okay, somewhere near a hundred. Fair enough. And um, what? Uh, before we kind of get your timeline here, what pricing axes do you do? People kind of they'll pay higher for or less for? Is like number of seats, number of chats. What is it? We're just we're just number of seats. We have a couple of add-ons you can add like onto a plan, but primarily it's just number of seats. Very simple pricing. Yeah. All right. Timeline. When did you launch? How uh, we launched, I guess like the early, early beta was probably 2007. And then we launched paid in 2009. 
Uh, and so I've been going strong for, I guess, full time for almost 10 years. And then you're bootstrapped, right? Um, so we raised under 85 K, Well, we raised 85 K total. So you can figure out whether that's bootstrapped or not. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think for any modern company, that's, that's nothing. Well, when we look at some of the others in your space, intercom and drift, I mean, what they're raising, I would say, yes, you're very much bootstrapped. Um, between 07 and 09, what were you doing? So like to walk me through those first kind of struggle years, how were you paying yourself? How are you surviving? Yeah. So at that time, 2007, I was a PhD student. So I was uh, working on a PhD. This was just a side project. So basically like on Sundays, me and a couple of friends would get together and hack on this thing on Sundays. Uh, we were running a, uh, it was probably like a more important backstory here. So basically I was running a web hosting company through high school, uh, through undergrad running this web hosting company. It was just sort of generating more or less passive income. How much? Everyone graduated from uh, senior year, it grossed like over 170K. It's pretty good for a senior. You're a popular uh, senior pay, then. Helped help pay for college for, for us. So, uh, so then by, uh, you know, by the end of undergrad, you know, my two friends who were doing this with went on. One went out to California to do a band. One uh, you know, was just doing freelance consulting and getting paid. And I was doing a PhD. And so uh, we were doing a bunch of freelance consulting as sort of a, a secondary source of income and we hated doing it. So we decided like, Hey, uh, we're building software for startups. We could, we could do better than this. We could build a better product than this. And so that was like 2007, uh, when we built the first version of Olark, which we called Abla, uh, that was basically funded by that consulting firm. More Interesting. Or less, on the side. Interesting. Okay. And then fast forward to today. So 10 years later, what are you guys at in terms of total customers on the platform? So, um, you know, we have over like the number, the public number I use is like over 12 K. Okay. And is that, when was it, like that public number? When was the last time you released that? So you had 12,000 customers at what that's, date? That's, that's a couple of years old. Okay. It's a couple of years old. All right. So, I mean, I assume you've probably grown past that. Any update you can give there? Have you passed 20,000? Yeah, yeah. We don't have, we, we're waiting for kind of a fun, a fun opportunity okay. to announce that, but that's, that's the biggest public number we operate. Fair enough. Okay, good. So 12,000 folks. And I mean, can I, I can kind of multiply here 12,000 times a hundred dollars on average. I mean, you're North of 1.2 million bucks a month at this point. Um, we don't really talk about any of those numbers. You okay. can kind of do, do math. You, do you want, but ben, well, I just, I, I'm not, I don't want to guess. I'm literally yeah, yeah, just yeah. taking numbers you gave me. I mean, I think you're probably significantly larger than that at this point. I mean, is that fair enough to say? Um, I'll just say no comment. We can kind of move on, but you guys can, you guys can do the math. Okay. By the way, why do you hold that back? I feel like in the space, it's such a strong thing to be able to say you're bootstrapped and like doing this well. Uh, it's good question. I don't, I don't think I have a great rationale for holding it back, but it's just something where we like, as a management team, we haven't agreed to release any numbers. So I try not to like, you don't want your founders to hear it and be like, what the heck? Why'd you release it without us? Yeah, exactly. So like, we just don't, don't talk about those numbers publicly yeah. unless we have like a press or a PR kind of event we're trying yeah. to do. Well guys, listen, I'm knocking the hell out of Ben I'm making him give me all these numbers. So don't blame him. Come after me. Shoot. Send me a cease and desist or something. All right. All right, uh, Ben, um, this is great. So talk to me about customer acquisition growth. Where did the first hundred customers come from? In the early days, right? We launched this free product in 2007, right? So back then there was nothing else there. So we went and just grew it on forums, basically looking for people that, you know, had the problem that we were solving and just gave them a solution for it. And then over time, uh, because we were the first people who put this little floating chat box on the internet, that created some virality. So like, you know, someone adds us to the site, uh, they see it's Olark and then they want it for their own site. 
Nowadays, that strategy doesn't quite work as well because the space is so crowded with little widgets that float in the bottom right-hand corner. But back in the early days, we were really the first company doing that. And that mm-hmm. helped us grow quite a bit. Did you guys ever get down to like details and actually model a viral coefficient where if you know one user installed it today, they would invite 10 users at a 30% conversion and then it would kind of your flywheel was working? Um, the numbers, like it was highly variable based on what site it was on and whether they turned off branding or not. So like we let people turn off branding. So uh, it was, it was more of an efficient, uh, it was attached to like, who's the audience. Like for example, if you're an e-commerce company, like we'd end up getting less customers that way. If we were, if you were a B2B SaaS company, you'd see more. I imagine that both Drift and Intercom have seen like similar growth, uh, sort of based on where they're, where they're installed. Yeah. Interesting. Today, as you add customers, I imagine you've probably tested some paid stuff. Maybe you have some inside or sales or, you know, customer success people. When you look at like your fully weighted, you know, cost to acquire a hundred dollar a month account, what are you willing to pay for that? We are like, uh, we are like horrible at marketing. So like right now, so, so this is the area where I would say as a business, like it's the area where the least invested. So uh, even though our, our product is bought by marketers and, you know, we have a lot of very smart customers using our product that have done a lot of modeling, like, you know, cost acquisition, off chat, how that converts into a paying sale. Like Olark, we've mostly done organic and we haven't really like pushed it out. Uh, we're actually in the process of... Uh, sort of basically investing in marketing, like bringing in someone who's like far better at marketing than we are to sort of help us scale because we've realized that organic uh, is nice, but I think we can do a lot better now. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, by the way, we have very smart people listening to the show, private equity people, B2B SaaS CEOs, all that. Make, the, make that pitch a little more clear. So are you looking for like a head of marketing or what? what's the title? What would they do on it's a gonna, day? It'll be closed. The position will be closed by the time these guys apply. Like we get some really freaking amazing people in the pipeline. Oh God, like, you've already really final yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, there are probably like over 300 applicants for this thing. Like it's, it's when you can hire a remote, you get a lot of people from all over the place. And some of those people are quite fantastic. So well, let's learn from that, right? So you get all the, first off, how did you call for applicants? Um, so uh, more or less, I think it was Indeed and uh, WeWork remotely. I, I personally didn't run that hiring process, right? So I have a director of people ops. They run the hiring process when we need to do an exec search. Uh, they're, you know, very experienced, have done other exec searches in the past. So this is just for them, it's their, it's their forte. For At me, what point do you come in? Uh, where I come in at the, it comes down to defining what I want in that position and what uh, sort of skill set we're looking to hire, uh, you know, what they need to be able to do in the first year. And then, uh, you know, building the building interview process, making sure we can assess them on those skills, et cetera. That's, that's sort of like where I come in. But the sourcing isn't something that I worked on directly. Can you share that detail? So when you said, hey, what do you want to do in the first year? Were you able to give like a, a numbers like, hey, we want them to do this, this, this? or? Um, I think what we did for them, we basically... Uh, you know, want them to hit the ground running. So we gave them like a 90 days, like, hey, figure stuff out because, you know, we're don't have a lot of uh, established uh, sort of background in marketing. So there's going to be a lot of learning to come on and, you know, taking that taking that team that is there and sort of assessing them and figuring out how to help them really grow and succeed. And then and then we sort of set a target for the next 90 days and let people sort of show us how they're going to do that. We actually did something pretty interesting where we uh, paid people to do homework. So we gave them a bunch of stats that were kind of made up numbers, but pretty close to our real numbers and said like, hey, uh, give us like what opportunities you see, what assumptions you need to make given this data we've given you, uh, what 
uh, you know, put together a first 90 day plan and a, se- and a second 90 day plan. Like what are your key results for each of these periods? And then we sat on call and talked to them about this. That's so, crazy. So how many people did that actually return to plan? Um, I think it was probably under 10, but at that point we had like really filtered things down. So, so, uh, you know, you filter resumes, you do phone screening calls, and then we do homework. Cause we just, you know, we only want people that we think could get the job doing this homework. Yeah. And have you met, don't... have you met these people in, like over the phone or in person? Yeah. You know them, all the names. Um, so, uh, I mean, at this stage when we've given them the homework, so, uh, Mandy is doing all the phone screens and then I, we give them the homework. So they've basically been, they've had, they've re- passed resume screen, the past phone screen, they're given homework, we pay them for it. So we give you like, you know, a bunch of, you know, reasonable size Amazon gift, gift card, because it's going to take time to do this work. What are you talking like a thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks or what? Uh, sorry, what you say? I'm curious when you say reasonable size, you mean like a hundred bucks or 10 grand or what? Oh, you know, on the scale of, uh, on the scale of hundred, not okay. on scale of 10. I mean, you know, we're, I don't know what reasonably sized is. I mean, buying all those books on your bookshelf behind you, you need, you know, 300 bucks. So I don't know. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But you know, most people don't pay at all. So this is like, you know, helping offset that a little bit, buy yourself something nice. Uh, and then the people make it through that process and, um, uh, and, you know, then we can talk to them about their homework, ask them hard questions, figure out like what they know. What so ben, I'm just, I'm just trying to understand when you personally come in, is that what you do? You come in and actually grill them with questions after you review the homework. You got it. That's where I come in on got this it. process for this exact. Interesting. Because, because like, I mean, Manny can do a fantastic job on the, on yeah. the first screen. And get so so let me ask it. you like, why the hell? I mean, you're seeing all these other companies in the space and you're going, what the heck? They're like stealing our lunch and we have a better product and we were here first. Like, why are, why isn't this us in the headlines? Like, why did you wait so long to do this? Oh, I mean, we were trying stuff internally. It wasn't working. Like we I had see. marketing that, that didn't work. Right. And so we were, we needed to restart. And Tell me about uh, what you tried that, that didn't work. Tell me one or two examples. Well, I think like historically, Olark had a very strong partner marketing channel. And uh, what ended up happening is those partners started building chat. And so uh, what we realized was that while that worked really well in the early days, it no longer worked strategically. So we needed to come up with a new channel. And the existing team was completely built around that partner marketing channel. And Interesting. So, and so we were unable to like really adapt internally and had to bring in, uh, you know, want to bring in some new, some new thinking, some new expertise yeah. there to help us try some new, new, uh, new channels. And Ben, just to be clear, so like I'm making this up, you know, HubSpot maybe was an early partner, but then they released their own chat product a year ago and you you're like, it. crap, now yeah. we've got, we're another competitors, not partners. <laughs> you got it. And that, so that happened a couple of times. Yeah. Like uh, basically anyone who has chat now was an Olark partner in the past. <laughs> so it's a great growth channel, but like, and you know, some of these guys have, relatively bad products so still like you know our, our chat is far superior to these bolt-on chat products like say hubspot or yeah or you know zendesk hasn't evolved their chat in like four years since they bought zopim but this uh, so like we still get customers and have many customers using those channels but what ends up happening is those partners don't want to market for you anymore 100 so, like, yeah so so like it, it, so even though you have all these customers in common that are very well served you can no longer use that as a marketing channel so that that was one of the challenges that we've been facing a bit. Talk to me, you know, churn is critical in this space, especially at this price point. What is your churn today and how do you measure it? Uh, we don't, we don't have a public number for churn, but uh, basically we measure it this, the standard way. So just, well, uh, Ben, that's not helpful for my audience. <laughs> Describe, teach us, how do you measure churn? Uh, we measure churn based on, you know, you take, uh, you can do monthly churn, right? So you take your MRR for one month and then you look at, 
that MRR from that set of users at the end of the, you know, the beginning of the month and the end of the month. And that gives you a number, right? So you can, you can just look at the negative churn. You can just look at the people who left and you can also look at upgrades. So you can kind of break those out into two parts and look at the, like how much are people growing during a month and how much are people leaving during a month. And then what we try to do is survey the guys that leave to try to understand why they're leaving and sort of break that out. Because, you know, we have a lot of small business customers, many small businesses churn out, uh, just, they just die, right? Uh, you know, you have customers who outgrow you. For example, there's a lot of like, you know, let's say you're HIPAA or you're dealing with a very strong, like kind of more enterprise compliance requirement. You might move up to someone who you know, has a has a situation better, this better able to serve that like large enterprise need. Uh, and then we try to like figure out like, okay, is this churn we care about or not? And right now we're very happy with our churn rate and it's, uh, and it's solid from industry standards. And we've, you know, benchmarked it against other companies' churns for uh, for companies that with similar levels to us. Yeah, I would say just from our data, you know, we've done about, I think you're over 3,000 interviews like this. So we have an interesting benchmark data here. I mean, I would say average good churn for this price point in this space would be like definitely sub 3% logo churn per month. And then revenue churn in terms of like net revenue retention even is really dependent on your ability to upsell and expand revenue. So, I mean, would you generally say you're kind of in those ranges? Yeah, we're, we're within those. Right? Okay. How do you add the ability? I mean, do you have, do you feel like you have strong pricing axes to drive expansion revenue so you can get to net negative with just basing it on number of seats? I don't think you can do it on pure seats. I think that was, uh, I think that's basically just a challenge of the SMB target. I think you need to have add-ons. And so add-ons are something we've uh, launched recently and they've done pretty well there. I think I think if you look at uh, sort of some of the competitors pricing where people are charging like for usage based pricing, I mean, it's pretty interesting. But as a SMB, it makes your pricing like super unpredictable. So like, uh, you know, you may think you're paying 50 bucks a month, but all of a sudden you're paying $200 a month. And, you know, if, if you're not a high growth startup that's funding that out of VC, like those numbers actually do affect you. So I think the place where we've, uh, you know, been able to shine is having like predictable simple pricing that makes it really easy for you know our target customer to get up and running it doesn't scale as well like it's not going to give us a like a intercom style valuation but i think like honestly like most customers don't really care what the company's valuation is when they're buying service they just want predictable pricing they want to understand uh, the co- like their costs and the value they're getting out of the product yeah. and not have this not have this cost like scale such that that company can reach unicorn status which yeah, is yeah. some you know? Look, I would say with Intercom and Drift and any of these companies, by the way, yes, they get great valuations, but also they've invented pricing models that more directly correlate to value. And so the revenues are growing. Now, I would say you're in the ultimate situation because your ratio between ARR and funding raised is infinite, whereas many of theirs, they may be raised more than what even their current run rates are, which is obviously not a great position to be in. But I, I'm just I am curious why. um they've kind of identified additional pricing axes and you have not gone that route and you just explained why it's unpredictable for an SMB. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like, I'm not trying to maximize overall enterprise value. I think those guys have maximized overall enterprise value. They need that because they need to drive cost up significantly to justify their valuation, which I don't need to do. What do you mean drive costs up? So basically they need to you mean pricing? Good way, yeah, they need yeah. to, it costs for the customer. Yeah, yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah, revenue or cost for the customer. Yeah. We, I didn't realize this. We ran out of time. So quick questions here if we can. Um, growth. What are you growing at year over year? Uh, no comment. Okay. Uh, I mean, health, give me a range that you're comfortable with. 
Uh, we're healthy and profitable. Okay. Like, can we say like, but like in the double digits or single digits? You can say under 50% year over year growth. Okay. Under 50%. That's healthy. And then, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. It could be zero, but under 50%. Um, and then a team, how was the team size today? And where's everyone based? We're all over. So we're all across the U S fully distributed, fully remote. You know, you have people in New York, San Francisco, and how many? Uh, little, little Island, Scotland. Um, we're all, there's always like a little bit of hiring. I would say like probably like sub 35 is probably the current count. That's great. Good. With one big hire coming on here soon, it sounds like. All right. Uh, very good, Ben. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? I guess I, I like small giants. Number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying? And an under the radar one. Under the radar CEO that I'm following or studying. I, I, I really like uh, kind of the relationship between the uh, Zingerman's co-founders. You guys probably haven't heard of them, but basically they run... Uh, a co-op in Ann Arbor, Michigan. There's like Ari Weinberger or Winsberg. I'm going to mis- mispronounce the guy's name. That's uh, okay. We'll two, look him up. Two Zingerman's guys. Zingerman's yeah, guys. <laughs> Number yeah. three. Besides yeah. your own, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Ah, oh, man. Favorite online tool for... I mean, I guess Stripe. I mean, it, it's just like, I like seeing money come in and Stripe has really done a pretty fantastic job of scaling out what they do. Uh, such that you can use it for invoicing, manual, not just credit cards. I mean, they're, they're doing a fantastic job and I love that product. Number four, Ben, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? I try to get between like, I don't know, six and eight. And what I, have, just... a, I have a new child, so that, <laughs> that certainly makes it harder. I was going to ask, what's your situation? <laughs> Married, single, how many kids? Married, uh, one kid out, one on the way. Oh, wow. And how old are you? Uh, I am 36. 36. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? My 20 year old self knew? Oh, that's such a great question. I think, I don't know. I, I have a hard time like reflecting back on 20. I think probably self awareness is super freaking important. Like, I think understanding self awareness and your communication styles and how you communicate with others uh, is super freaking important. I think I've always been super driven and wanted to get a lot of stuff done. But I think it was only through the experience of building Olark and learning the importance of management that uh, I gained that sort of self-awareness and the understanding around communication styles. 20-year-old Ben uh, didn't really understand the value of management. And I think, uh, you know, um, I think I'm actually 35. So 35-year-old Ben is, is actually, I, once you get past 30, who cares? And then... Uh, <laughs> Guy, uh, guys, there you have it from Ben. Self-awareness is critical. Founded Olark as a side project back in 2007. 2009 got more serious about it. Today, they're well north of 12,000 paying customers. He shared average price point, call it just around 100 bucks per month. Obviously, if you multiply those, it comes up to about $1.2 million per month. Churn is kind of like an industry range, call it 3% logo churn per month range, really now starting to experiment with how to drive expansion revenue uh, around healthy pricing axes that are friendly to small business owners. That's really the key. And he's able to do that because he's bootstrapped. So they drive the company however they want to drive it. Growth is less than 50% year over year, but again, totally bootstrapped team of 35 based all over the country in remote locations. Ben, and oh, sorry, over the world. Ben, thank you for taking us to the top. For sure. Thanks, Nathan.